Hello everyone and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I'm your host Ads Lyson. On the podcast today, John Thompson returns with some issues he feels he didn't address in the first podcast. In this episode, we delve into issues such as PTSD, mental health and depression and how these issues affect the everyday person, not just military personnel. Please enjoy a Grumpy Surfer conversation with my good friend, John Thompson. John Thompson, welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. Nice to have you back, mate. It's good to see you again, mate. It's good to see you. Yeah, I thought, well, we've had 12, well, this will be the 12th episode, so I thought we need to uh, get you back. And Yeah, the last one was um, really good fun, uh, great conversation, great reminiscing, and bringing back memories of, of, of the life that we've lived and, uh, you know, re-remembering some things that you'd, I'd forgotten. So it was it was good. Great yeah, to see you as well. lots of positive feedback from it. I mean, you've had some as well, and, and I've had a few over like Instagram and mm. and those sort of things. It's really nice to 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 listen to people and say that you know they actually enjoy listening to people's stories about you know conflict or whatever they're going through, as opposed to sort of bigger personalities. Absolutely. I mean, I had um, so my, my mum watched it obviously because she loves me and she wants to. Um, she wants to to hear the stories, and it, it kind of upset her, understanding you know what real conflict is and the things that you go through, but you don't necessarily talk about with people who are outside your peer group. And then the other one who was quite significant was my auntie, who I universally respect. She's a very intelligent, beautiful woman, um, and she was blown away by the oh my god, John, um, I don't you know didn't realise what you guys go through. And I think that's one of the great things about this medium is that just regular people who do what they do, and it could be military, it could be a fireman, an ambulance person, anyone who works at NHS now with this this COVID thing um, can talk about the experiences that they have. And then everybody else can see and understand the things that each and every one of us goes through. And in that understanding, they can maybe be a little have a little bit more empathy and a little bit more patience a little bit more understanding and that's got to be a good thing a a lot of a lot of stuff especially you know i know we're going to talk about mental health things because it's one of the issues that you know you're quite pressing with is you know people need to talk about their issues and and not bottle them up especially you know gone are the days being a bloke one of the things we're not taught but i think it's kind of like a legacy where you just kind of you get on, you do your day's work, you go home and you suck it up. Mm. You go to sleep, you deal with it. You know, you're a man. This is the thing you need to do. I think today where society is a lot more expressive and they like to talk about things, older guys, well, older guys, guys that are our age, we're kind of catch 22. We're stuck in the yeah. middle of it where we were like, I don't really like talking about it. We're, we're kind of this interim generation between yeah. our parents' generation who feel the effects from their parents' generation and like world wars, depression, you know, famine and starvation in this country and real, real austerity outside toilets and newspaper for toilet paper and that kind of stuff. Um, and us being the, the precursor to the PlayStation generation, um, we're, we're kind of in the middle where we, we, we have the echo and effects of the past and the characteristics of society there mixed in with modern day society and the transition. You know, I suppose it happened with the internet and mobile phones. That's where the real change went. So we still remember the times when there was no internet. 
whereas the generation below us all they've known is the internet and the the expression of ideas and the proliferation of academic thought that everybody has access to and the fact that they can engage with anyone I and mean, we spoke about this before anyone in the world at any minute of the day instantly whereas we will still remember the time where if you fancied a girl you might have to write her a letter and then sort of post it through a letterbox cherry knock and run off and hopefully you get a good response uh didn't never always happen like maybe once out of a million times but my head's too big i never got the girl <laughs> didn't get through the gate yeah yeah so um so yeah, we live we live in these times, and I think I think one of the things is really important is in that concept of understanding each other. It, it allows for people to have different points of view. But if people try to understand each other, they don't have to agree with another person's point of view. But what they can do is listen to what they say, and then respect what they've said, and then that that opens up an avenue for change in people's minds. So you should never shout down somebody's got an opposing point of view you just try and understand it and then if if you can then explain your point of view in a coherent a cohesive way then maybe you bring them along for the ride one of the things that i find most troubling is uh and i said before this need that males have you know the most dangerous thing for our society is a is a large population or even a small population of unhappy males because we're so physically dangerous um, to the rest of the population that an unbalanced and unhappy male can do so much damage with inside a family group. And you see this in news and COVID. And it's not just it's not just males. The, the whole family dynamic's difficult right now. But it's males that can have the greatest physical impact and psychological impact as well. So if people can try and understand each other a little bit more then maybe we can mitigate that. And what you can do is create, I mean, you surf in so you're out all the time, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or any type of martial arts where you can take the uh, fundamental characteristic of aggression and then put it into a controlled box so that males can, and, and the, those females who wish to do it, you know, they can take that aggression, get it out in a balanced, disciplined, organised way, and then you create these happy people. And and what limits does a happy person have? Well, I would advocate that a happy person has no limits in life whatsoever. And the the sort of wave of velocity of uh, and momentum of energy and enthusiasm and love and compassion and the ability to pass on good characteristics from father to son, mother to daughter, mother to son, father to daughter, um, and all through generations starts with happy people so i think these podcasts that you're doing are a great mechanism to enable that to happen when talking about happiness you need to kind of try and within yourself define what happiness is or what what make what makes you happy because you know what makes me happy to what makes you is is completely different you definitely if you're in your own sort of little bubble you need to work that out and if you don't work it out, you're never really going to find that niche to, to where you want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And like you say, whether you're finding it a pastime, whether it's reading certain genre of books, Netflix, yeah. something like that. But there also needs to be, I believe, 
there needs to be some sort of social interaction involved with it as well. Mm-hmm. Because it might be cool, like for me, going away on a surf trip on my own, absolutely amazing. But then who am I going to tell about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to have a little football with a face on it called Wilson. I'm going to talk yeah. to him, aren't I? Life is a shared experience. Yeah, so if you if you don't get that out there, and this is you know kind of where you're talking about mental health and mental states and talking to people about your issues that if you don't get it out there all it's going to be doing is stuck inside your cranium and bouncing inside your skull and then you're like that well there's no outlet for anything yeah i mean your, your mind can be a pinball machine of insanity or you know at least it's got the capability for for insanity popped something up on facebook oh, probably about a month ago which was a goggins um sort of video and uh, I put a quite, uh, sort of my spin on it. And it's like you have everything that you want in life. You just got to take the time to to work out what it is that you want. And I would I'd probably co- um, contradict what you said of that we're vastly different. I I would um, I would suggest that actually we're more similar than we we actually think. Um, in that you know you need to be loved. You need to be physically active. You need to have good mental health. You need to have a good diet. You need to sleep well. All those fundamentals are are effectively the same, but it's just it's just the little nuances, and that's that's where like deep thought comes in. So a bit of mindfulness is working out actually what makes you happy, and it might take a piece of paper where you write down what do you want out of life. Um, so I want to be out, and I want to be out with my family. And I like to be in the water, like yourself, me, sea swimming and you surfing and all the other the sports that you do. And I want to um, go out with the girls or go out with the boys and I want to have that. But it's working out at what level you want it. So in the younger days, you would go out and you'd get absolutely shit-faced. And that was hoofing. But actually, it wasn't hoofing getting completely shit-faced. Um and now as older guys, you can't get shit faced because it takes days and days to recover. It hurts a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. You have two beers at night. You're like, God, that was bad. Two beers. You haven't got a small body like that. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's working out that you already have everything you want and you, you've already got the capacity to achieve everything you want. The potential's there. It's just working out what you want. I mean, lots of people, this is a problem that we have in the West is that I mean, it goes to something called an initiation, um, which uh, is not the military sense of it, but there is a military aspect to it because um, we, I think we've touched on this before, which was it's, in a, it's a journey to a, a goal that you've got to reach, set of standards that you've got to reach, and once you've reached them, then you become part of a group. And that happens in, ev- it's not just the military, it's everything. You know, you've, you apply for a job, you've got to answer a few questions. So you've got to reach that standard and then you've got to get on with people. And then if you get on with people, you reach another level and you become a supervisor and you, you go up and up. Whereas in the West, we've kind of lost the cultural initiation that you would find in more developed countries in the rest of the world or or in the east, eastern part of the world where you actually become a man or you become a woman and there's a ceremony. Religions have that with christenings like straight away. Um, and I know uh, Judaism has those sorts of things and, and, and Islam as well uh, and, and, all, and all the other um, religions around the world. But we've kind of lost that. And in that loss of these achievable goals where we reach these milestones in our life, that's where the confusion sets in. So we see a lot of unhappiness in the West when we have so much abundance. Um, and it, I, I think 
it's really applicable when you talk about military guys. Because um, I was I was watching The Last Samurai the other day, and I was like, oh, brilliant. And, it, and, and then it made me think about Bushido and the way of the warrior and the mindset for the way of the warrior. And then, and then that led me down a, a little path of, actually, we're so privileged in our journey. So uh, it's a quote from a, a silly book, but it's, it's not about, oh, what was it? It's not about the journey, but it's about the time in which it takes you to get onto that, to do that journey. So in that, what's the time it takes you? It's if it takes you a long time to get there, you have a greater experience as you go in through that journey rather than just getting to that point. So there's a failure is success. Have have this long journey and you become a wiser, sager person. So actually, what makes you happy? Look at the older population. What do they look at? They don't care about money. They care about being with their family. They care about going out for walks. They care about smiling more because they know that time is limited what we have had in the military is this ground rush of intense experience over short periods of time that you can't get in any other facet of life you have comradeship with your brothers and sisters in arms you have austere moments where there's not enough food or like we were talking before one of the the fobs that you were in where the, the the you had to have bottled water which didn't always come and the water that you you had from filters was was horrible it's just disgusting you know almost makes you sick taking a sip um you don't know whether your life's going to end you don't know what your friend's going to life's going to end you'll hear stuff on the radio um where something we're talking about that other pb where um you wanted to go out and uh, rescue them but command was was holding out um and then you're away from the people that you love so you don't know what's going on with them um and then all of that time goes past and you've lived a life effectively in six months. Every facet of life to the most intense level in a short space of time. And then you do that multiple times like both of us have and many of our comrades have. And then suddenly you come back and you're a little bit more sage-like. And I don't say that arrogantly, but you're, you're a little bit more of uh, in the deep thought space. And um, and we're taught to think anyway in our jobs, but that deep thought space is where you actually find yourself philosophically rather than making the right decisions. You're like, hmm, what type of person do I want to be like? It's these it's these hardships that ask you the questions of who am I, what do I want to be like, how do I want to treat other people, what's fair and what's just, and the Stoics call it a virtuous life of justice, truth, honesty. Um, self-control discipline and courage you know the courage to be able to have the self-discipline to focus the courage to tell the truth when you need to to be honest um, to have control over your diet your alcohol or you know some people who, who take recreational drugs or drugs drug intake the the moderation of thrill seeking moderation of exercise you know everything has to be done within a, a series of tolerances for you to live that good life because what you do now, like Marcus Aurelius says, not Marcus Aurelius, Maximus in Gladiator says, what we do now will echo for an eternity. Now, our conscious eternity ends at which we jump off this planet. So look after yourself now. Do the hard work now, the preparation to make the rest of your life better. Yeah, now, I think um, 
you know, I agree, definitely agree with what you're saying, but some people would struggle with those thought processes because they haven't been given the guidance to mentally understand that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are people that have done the same things as we have, um, same experiences, been in the depths of darkness with war and all that sort of thing. But mentally they probably you know they wouldn't pick up a book and read about it read about philosophy um you know read a jordan peterson book about you know how to guide your life or or guidance books Mm -hmm. you know something like that or the secret which is another good one to to read to give you good aspects and outlooks on life as well to to guide you Mm -hmm. unless they're they're into that or they know people to help them with that then those are the type of people that actually struggle quite and considerable amount now living in the time like you're talking about where we do have the internet we have clips we have instagram we have we have have all the social media in the world i think sometimes as well that can be a negative effect where you're constantly pumped with this this sort of information telling you because that's what it's doing it's not guiding you it's telling you telling you this is what you must do telling you this is how you must feel after you've done this mm-hmm. some people don't want that i mean it's really it's really smart marketing because you know essentially in this economic society which we call the west it's we we're, we're assets to the people that make things so i mean you we'll all see on facebook and things hey do you want to be a coach in two days do you want to do this oh have you ever been unhappy yeah it's tapping into the 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 easy parts of understanding the cell i hey ads license i don't know do you wish you were taller buy these new trousers they'll make you taller or is your back hurting get this back correcting thing well actually um it's 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 a marketing tool and we're all susceptible to it because we're always looking for the answer, but the answer's inside us. And I know this physically because I've got um, this degenerative disc disease and a couple of prolapsed discs, um, where I was on um, tramadol and diazepam for well over a year. I started sea swimming, started mindfulness and a bit of meditation, started looking at Stoic philosophy um, and some some Eastern uh, Way of the Warrior kind of stuff and read some Solzhenitsyn uh, uh, novels and uh not all the way through i read parts then i jump to another one so my focus is pretty poor and um what it what i found is that by me being more mindful i don't need to take these painkillers anymore i found alternate natural ways of doing them um but you're right not everybody has those that i would call it mental agility or it would be the definition of resilience for me not everybody's resilient or robust and people would say oh what does robust mean what does robust mean well ro- robust in my mind is uh, somebody who's got the cognitive capacity to think their way out of situations and the real issue is those who either haven't had a negative um experience that has impacted them enough to think about what they're doing and how they're doing it lots of people are st- still walk around thinking they're doing all right and don't look and reflect inwardly and I think that's that is where the problem lies because people don't like to look at themselves negatively, and they don't look after themselves. So one of the things in Jordan Peterson's book, I think it's the third chapter, it's look after yourself like you would, like you're somebody you care about. 
And the example he gives is, you know, uh, somebody's eating a poor diet or not exercising enough bad social interactions. Why don't you fix those? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do this diet. I don't want to have that self control to do um, to to help myself. But if their cat gets ill, they'll bend over backwards and walk across the or across hot coals in order to help them. Well, look after yourself as well as you'd look after the cat. But it's getting to that point. Um, so, again, this this fantastic podcast you set up. Whoever listens to it, they need to. If it helps them, that is amazing. But if they can help other people, share it to your friends. If there's something in one of the things that these 12 podcasts so far, and hopefully there's hundreds and hundreds more, um, does, is takes people's experience and just chat about them. And if you can glean something off it, be open-minded to thought, new thoughts and ideas that you never thought about before. Um, and if that can help you, then fantastic. Because I go back to the danger of an unhappy mind. Whether it's male or female, I choose males because I I know males. Um, I've been one for forty two years, so I think I'm kind of an expert on them. Um, I can't really talk about the female experience much. I have two daughters, um, but I'm not as expert or as concerned about them. Um, probably because I have two daughters, and I and I worry about them with in society with potentially dangerous males walking around, as naturally as you would do as a father, but. You can find some focus and look inwardly, then your life will be so much better. But it's that journey, you know, and everybody's got to come to that epiphanal revelation at their own time. But if they can come to that by listening to something like this or reading a book, ideal. They can get to that point sooner and then the rest of their life is infinitely going to be longer and better. But if they don't, then then they'll just crack on. And we're lucky, you know. YouTube, you, you've got access to, I mean, I've seen physios and I, I was talking to a physio as a nutritionist as well because I've got my own ideas about uh, nutrition. Um, but the information's there. She doesn't know any more than I do because I can just pop this on and then listen to the greatest nutritionists in the planet or physios on the planet and get all the information. So it's a great time. It's a great time to to change the direction because we're not, we're not at, ground zero with our society we can change our direction in a heartbeat doesn't take 15 years to change your future it takes one moment and that one moment can can affect everyone it's those choices as well because i sent um it's kind of quite funny i've talked about this the last couple of days i sent an email the other day about um physical performance compare this to the military you know you know, back in the days when we were young Marines and, and, you know, corporals or whatever, to create a cohesive bond with people, you'd get up in the morning, you'd go and do some exercise. You'd go out and do a run, you'd do some press-ups and sips with them, jump in a river or something like that. You do something together to, to create that bonding, but it's like a, it's a continuous thing. So you do it like Monday to Friday or whatever, mm-hmm. you do stuff together all, the, all, all of the time. So my point being is that I think somewhere along the line in the last 10 years, it's been lost in translation a little bit. And the reason why I say that is I don't see that many people doing, okay, granted we're in a bit of an awkward situation these days with like the COVID and uh, and we can't do things as groups. Mm -hmm. But I don't, even, you know, before it, I, I was thinking the other day on the run, I don't see people out doing that anymore. And when I do talk to people about it or have the odd conversation, 
and it seems very cliche is people's return comments are I don't have time to do that so I wrote this quite long email the other day and people probably thought it was a rant it wasn't it was a yeah <laughs> it wasn't really meant to be like that yeah. but I used myself as an example where I said you know I have to start work at well I don't have to I start work at half eight in the morning but before that I come into work earlier and I do my exercise or mm -hmm. whatever I have to do if I've got to set something up um, a circuit or something like that I don't leave it to the last minute I come in at six so I get up at like five or half four and I come in yeah. so I so my so what I'm trying to say is I make time to do these things but people use the excuse that they don't have time to do these things because they're in inverted commas they're so busy doing their day-to-day -day job whether it's a nurse or they're an IT specialist or they're a dustman or there's mm -hmm. something like that well my comeback to that was we'll make time for it absolutely you you don't have to be fixated in what you're doing and I, and I love I love the uh, the poem the indispensable man if you've never read it google it the indispensable man you sent man. it to me didn't you after yeah. we had a conversation yeah and it, and it basically suggests that if you get a bucket of water fill it up to the top you put your hand into it and that's you in your job I'm getting goosebumps talking about mm -hmm. it put your hand into it that's you in your job that's how important that you think you are then take your hand out of that bucket then what happens then well it just fills back up again and that's how important you are you think you're more important than everybody else Absolutely. so again my point being is that making time to do something even though again inverted commas you think you're really busy well you're not is anyone going to die no they're not so taking an hour out of your time to look after yourself whether it is like what you're talking about there reading the philosophy book taking some time out to meditate going for a walk doing some exercise in the yeah. gym you need to make that time for yourself otherwise that's where the mental issues i think in my opinion are going to come in and start affecting you i mean that indispensable man poem is so so profound in that when you know in it it says when you take your hand out the water um, ripples as you take it out but very very quickly it settles back to its equilibrium state so when you sent that to me that that was like what an amazing poem because what it means is actually you are indispensable but what's not indispensable is your hand so it's all it's all about proper time management so we've got a saying in the military which is uh, prior preparation fence piss poor performance and very military specific unless you're on exercise or on combat operations there's this idea that work starts at 8:25 and you finish at half 4 well it doesn't because we get paid, a, we're on call 24 hours a day. So we work 24 hours. So so when I was doing lectures and things, I'd work all the way into the night until it's perfect. And I'd be up early to make sure it's prepared. Because one, you don't want to look inadequate and shit in front of people. And you want to you want to look like you've done your, 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 pre your preparation and you want to deliver a good product. Because you also want that, that feedback from everyone to go, yeah, you, you've done really well. And you're actually maintaining this ethos, which is uh, determination, um, humility, you know, the, the four core values. I think it's excellence, integrity, humility, and self-discipline. Um, but really what you're trying to do is provide the best 
because you join an organization that's that's the best but when it comes to i don't have enough time i don't have the time that is absolute bullshit so i'm a single dad which i said before single dad of two young children my little angel sophie turned seven today and my 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 little boy who's exactly like me um is five and then my eldest daughter is 20 and she's gone back to university that's a full-time job but also i've got my other job and then I've got to do my own fizz. I mean, I'm kind of lucky now. I've got a year extra and basically I've just got to do prehab for my operation. So pre-exercises to make my core strong, have the operation, and then I'll do rehab. But but also in that time, I've got to set up my future. We'll go on to this in a minute, which, you know, like leaving the core and, and how that's affected me, which is which is substantial. Um, I've got to prepare myself for the future because I've got responsibilities to those children but but like the jordan peter the third chapter in 12 rules for life an anecdote for chaos in jordan peterson i've got to look after myself as if i care about myself so you've got to make that time there's i was there's a great thing on um youtube and it's called the art of improvement and it's like this guy talking away and there's the doodles things come up and i think it's amazing really easy to get if you want to do that as a a video log or or whatever you can I think they're 50% off because of COVID. But in it, he talks about uh, this guy called Cal Newport who wrote a book called Deep Work. And in that, um, Cal Newport talks about how long your mind can concentrate on. So deep work, concentrate fully on something. So the mind, you can't concentrate all day. The mind can concentrate for four hours maximum. And then it gets exhausted. Because your, your brain's using huge amounts of energy. And uh, so what he says, what you need, one of the ideas, one of the principal, um, procedures that you can use is you, you, you break your, book, your day down into 30-minute blocks. You know, buy a diary. You know, at work, we get these banner diaries, the A4 ones, and every page is 30-minute block. So what you do is you write down what you've got to do. So don't write down what you've got to do and then prioritize all those things. Write down the priority in which things need to be done. So that's you thinking a little bit. And you do that the day before, the night before, and then you're already squared for the next day. Casey Neistat on one of his shows how he manages his time. He uses these little dominoes and he puts them down. He's, like, he's getting like three, four hours sleep. But in it, he's achieving everything. So he gets his deep work done in the morning straight away when he first wakes up. He wakes up at like four or five. You don't have to do that. But you can manage your time and go, actually, how much do I need to do? I'll check my social media and answer emails between six and seven. Seven o'clock, the kids get up. And then up, then it's kids, do, 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 do. Nine o'clock, they go to school. And then you start your day. But you've also got Fit Fizz in there. So what he says is break, break it down in 30-minute blocks. Do deep work, deep concentration for 25 minutes and have a five-minute break. And the five-minute break, don't pick up this social media machine called the phone and then start um, looking at things because that's not resting your mind go for a walk outside do do 20 press-ups or five press-ups or whatever you can do have a cup of tea and, and then shut off do a bit of mindfulness just i mean my garden there with the birds flying around and squirrels and things sit out there and watch the clouds go past after five minutes that's your reward for 25 minutes work then you go back into it until you until you finish your thing and it, what that does is helps you find that focus in order to get things done and suddenly but it takes practice it could be like i want to read more well read one page can you read more you've got a lot, a lot of 25 minutes to this i can now i'm bored okay right tomorrow do it again and it's classical conditioning it's like what you said 
getting up and doing fizz all together, that's classical conditioning, which was uh, a coin a term coined by Ivan Pavlov in 1908, um, where he got we talked about this before the dog and the bell and the oxo. He got it to salivate, kept ringing the bell, and took the oxo away. That's conditioning, and it's really important. But you've got to link that to something important. So with the dog, it was an oxo cube or whatever, which made it salivate, and the, the food was important to the dog. Now we're different from dogs. You know, we've got a reason to get up in the morning. Marcus Aurelius says, if you find it hard to get up in the morning, remember that you are a human being and you have purpose. We have purpose. It's part of our mind. We're ambitious. We change the world. We fly to space. We invent microchips. Um, you know, uh, there's a Pakistani guy who invented the sanitary towel for, for his wife. You know, people look after their children. People cook and care for the elderly. That, that kind of stuff. We have purpose. A dog just gets up, gets fed. It's domesticated. But we have purpose. So find in that deep work, you can break it down. One of the things I've done, one for health, was, okay, I'm eating too much at breakfast. Now, physiologically, I eat too much for breakfast. It fills my stomach up. My stomach then fills with blood in the digestive process. And then it makes you tired because you're supposed to relax after the time you've uh, eaten. So breakfast for me now is a spoonful of coffee, 10 to 12, milligra- uh, 20, 10 to 12 grams of um butter proper butter and then a teaspoon of coconut oil and that basically is bulletproof coffee um and what i found with that is i take this drink i sit outside and look at the world uh whilst kids are going crazy in the morning i do that drink that's me satiated until 12 o'clock 11 till 12 is a bit hardcore and i start thinking about chocolate um but then i have a protein rich diet and what what that does biologically is breakfast is important People who would do intermittent fasting would say, oh, try and keep the fast as long as possible so you're going to keep the genesis and uh, autophagy in your body to get rid of rid of stuff. But if you wake up in the morning, you have a fat or protein-rich diet, what it does is it, um, it activates your pancreatic system and it sets the pancreatic and insulin for the rest of the day so it's more balanced, so it's less spiky, which makes you erratic cognitively. Um, and all you're trying to do is feed that, that, that sugar drop with quick act, uh, quick active energy, glucose. Where do we get that from? Bread, carbs, um, and uh, sugary things. So try and do that. You, you, you've had your breakfast in five minutes, and then you're, you don't even think about food. I had these honking skin tags under my armpits. They're gone. I've, I've had to put a hole in my belt, so I'm getting slimmer. I'm like 32 inch waist now and I haven't been a 32 inch waist for 15 years I've got more energy I feel happier my eyes are brighter I did think there's a sparkle there absolutely <laughs> um and I also got some probiotics there's this stuff called uh oh bloody I forgot what it's called VX, VXL3 I think it's called I might have I've asked that up but it's 450 billion bacteria so I've got this thing called ulcerative colitis of degenerative bowel disease. So I looked on a Joe Rogan podcast. He's talking to a doctor called Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who's mm. fantastic. Fantastic. And she was talking about, so you've got lots of different types of bacteria in your gut. And and as she's talking about it, I'm thinking, oh, I've heard back, I've heard about the gut before by a guy called Mantak Chai, who's this Eastern, he's a sex guru, but he talks about other things as well. But I've also seen that from books when I was younger, where it talks about this, this is your second heart. So in Eastern philosophy, everything's in the gut. 
If you can sort your gut out, which is why diet is so important, everything else flows from it. You, you literally are what you eat and it can affect you in great ways. So I got this and you try it for 30 days, about 45 quid. Um, I feel amazing. Those skin tags have gone. My skin feels better. I've got more energy. I'm less grumpy and less prone to um, like aggressive outbursts. And I don't mean aggressive outbursts like, but my patience would wear thin if if I was like, come on, kids, time to brush your teeth and then say it again for a hundred times. And then I would find myself getting frustrated inside my own mind. Now I'm like, hey, whatever, man, brush your teeth. The longer it goes, the longer you don't go and brush your teeth, you don't get a story. Okay. So I'm I'm becoming a better person with that, um, and then and then you change your diet. So you, you you make your own packed lunch rather than go and get something fast food. You put that preparation in. Or you go and I'm going to get up and do a really quick Tabata or hit burst. And you only literally only need to do five minutes, five minutes of burpees, five minutes of press ups. Now that might extend to an hour potentially, but it's about moving straight away. We said this before, get up, make your bed, whack, something's done. Move. Motion breeds emotion and it breeds the best type of emotion. Do some squats. Everyone can do a squat. In fact, squats will help your knees if you've got bad knees and a bad back. Um, Everybody's got time. They're just not using it properly. And and that's the the greatest commodity in life. It's going to go. And suddenly you look back and be like, fuck, where's it all gone? I wish I'd saved more money when I was a young Marine instead of pissing up against the wall i can't get that money back it's gone but what i can do is halt that train going into the uh the avalanche field tunnel and turn it around and do something now so i hope people try and do something now um i want to talk about depression so uh if that's all right fire into it buddy so so i i like i said before on the 20th of march i finished work boop that's me and uh, I recently got divorced, which is amazing, uh, the 12th of August. It's sad in that, unfortunately, relationships break down. But it's also great if, if anyone has been, been in divorce, where you find a, a sense of stress and gets lifted off your shoulders. My wife and I are far more pleasant, my ex-wife and I are far more pleasant to each other now. And it's a better environment for the children when we, we interact and, and she comes to see them. And that's great. So life's better because of that. And it, but it's a shame it happened. Um, but so up to up to the, the point of that happening, and I didn't know whether I was going to be extended because of my back, because the Naval Service said they had no obligation, but some really great doctors and uh, welfare and psychiatrists fought my corner. Uh, it's weird to say psychiatrist because it makes yourself, um, it makes you feel like you're crazy, but you're not. They're specialists that will help you. So if I, if I wanted to do a physical test and I come and see you as a PTI. If I wanted my car fixed, I go and see a specialist. Um, now, depression is a, an ebb and flowing thing. And I found that with financial strains that I'd had um, from my, my marriage, um, the fact that I was by myself with the kids, the fact that I was on these painkillers, the fact that I didn't know what was happening in the future. Um, whoa, savage. And my mood just dropped and I wasn't eating right. I wasn't, if I was eating ever, you know, I'd make the kids something, but I wouldn't make myself something. And then I'd just eat crap. Um, and I had three times where I'd hit these depressive states. And I didn't know. I don't think, don't think you know. And you've got to, 
in anything, you've got to understand that something's happening, which goes back to, you know, those people without that agility of thought who go, they think everything's okay. And they keep driving their 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 life down this road off an, off a cliff without even looking left and right for the for the turn off that takes them to paradise. And uh, I'd had three episodes of what I would class as proper depression. And they lasted between four and seven days. But it wasn't until it was sort of like four or five days into into it that I realised this was happening. But just before that happened, um, one, I, I was feeling really low and I had a big swimming pool set up in the back garden. I thought, okay, I'm going to jump in the swimming pool because it'd be cold. Wim Hof, cold stress hormones, uh, cold stress proteins. I'll get cold and it will change my mindset. And I have cold showers anyway, so it's not like uh, doing something extreme. And I got into the swimming pool and I lay in there and um, I thought I'll go in for five minutes. And I set a timer on my watch and I lay there. And as I lay there, I started to think about, I started to feel really low. And I was like, I could just, at night tonight, as it gets colder and the water temperature gets colder, put the swimming pool cover over, take eight tramadol and eight diazepam, which among me out. I'll cut my wrists and I'll lay in here and I'll send a WhatsApp message to my oldest daughter who's home. And this is, you know, I'm talking about selfishness. Everything we do is selfish, but this is ultimate selfishness. But you can't tell somebody that is in a low state because they're stuck. They're absolutely stuck. They feel like they've got no way out. Their mind is full. I'll, I'll send a message saying, don't let the kids come in the back garden tomorrow morning. Can you take them to school? And somebody will find me. And I thought, I'll just cut my wrists and just drift off into thing i don't have to think about anything anymore and then i was like what the fuck and i looked at my watch and it was like 10 or 15 minutes and i and i realized then i'd had it i was going through a series of depression a, a spate of depression um so i told my doctors about this anyway um and then the other one was about four days long and i was up in my bedroom i looked down the window and it's got i've got some big trees in the back garden and i thought i'll go to work and get some black marlow I'll just jump out one of these trees or jump off one of the bridge, uh, one of the bridges near town. Um, and it was lucky for me that I, when I had these thoughts, was like, you've got depression. That's not a normal thought process. But there's so many people that we see on Facebook now, ex-service people, killing themselves. There was a, there was a husband and wife who both affected me this week, didn't it? Who, who don't get to that point. Like, we've got a mutual friend ex-tanky, who um, hung himself, uh, that got to that point and never asked for help. Luckily, I was open to engage with the right people. And I sat down and spoke to them and they prescribed me some antidepressants. And initially I was like, I don't want antidepressants, they're for, they're for crazy people. Um, and apparently got to take it forever. And then I came round to the idea with a doctor's like, these could really help. And what it does is it changes um, your um, serotonin levels. I was like, okay, because uh, what I wanted to do was have a balanced, I, did, I didn't want my idiosyncrasies and issues to then affect my children. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll give anything a go. Um, I was really, really open to uh, to change. And I started taking these antidepressants and I lasted four days. And I was like, no, these aren't for me. These aren't for me because I'd already started mindfulness. I was swimming every day. I was eating right. Um, I was reading these books. I was making time to sit down with the children and have fun, like Mario Kart with with, with Sophie. Gosh, she's so competitive. Um, and then sort of wrestling and tickling my boy and, and, and Sophie as well. 
and uh, doing the things that I like to do. And, I, and what I found with these antidepressants, which will help lots of people because depression is a sliding scale of severity and, and type, there really is variance in it, was that it was killing my emotion. So it was just like a zombie. You know, there was no joy. It was just all right. And after four days, I was like, fuck this. I am life. You know, I'm, I'm the embodiment of life, I feel, uh, and cut them out. But it was a good experience to go through because I realise, and that's where it comes to, you know, the, the time on that journey is you've got people have to come to their own realisation. I realise that I don't need this, that I've got the answer to help me out. I still have problems with focusing on, you know, I've got my laptop bag up there and I could, you know, I spoke about my teach coach mentor um, business, which which has hit a standstill. Whereas I could work on I could work on anything for twenty five minutes, so I need to listen to some of my own advice, um, and and hopefully that will work. But depression right now, savage. Not for me. I'm in a good. I'm in a really good position. Really, I feel great. But for a lot of people, especially in this lockdown especially with the financial strains. I mean, we're okay. I mean, I'm on £47,000 a year and I, I work five days a month at the minute. I mean, I do rehab every day, so I'm actually effectively working. Um, and then you earn a very good wage as well. But there's some people in my local town who are losing their jobs. And, you know, they're not in, not in good organisations like ours where they get help. They're just lost. And I think that's really worrying. I think definitely with um, depression and, and, and things like that, I've got my, my personal view behind it is quite tainted a little bit because I don't know whether I've ever experienced depression. I've been down at certain points, whether you call that depression because of certain pressures, I, I, I don't know. Um but I guess unless you've actually been through it yourself, you can't really, you you can't really like comment on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about suicide and you know the selfishness and stuff. That's my point of view. My my wife, she works in clinical health and she deals with um, people that have depression. They've got like twenty kids, exaggerated, of course, yeah, yeah. but yeah, they've got a lot of kids. They don't have a lot of money. They're like, how am I going to survive from? from day to day how, how am I going to deal with that and you know she helps she helps them with that whether it's with clinical trials with drugs or you know um, they were developing an, a, um, an app for self-harm a few years ago don't really know where that's gone with that um, but she deals with these people and sees them from a day-to-day like business mm-hmm. and I was talking about when people kill themselves and people that just just do it whimsical you don't know whether there's anything wrong there's one person that we were both in the same company with in the last couple of years um did that and i was like that that guy was like you wouldn't even known and i I spoke Mm -hmm. to some people that were really close to him and they said that they had no idea that he was in that mental state either. And then I, then I went through a series of thoughts of like, for me, I always tried to see two sides of the perspective, my side and somebody else's, so his yeah. side and his family's side or, or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's just proper selfish. 
Like he hasn't dealt with his own issues, his mm-hmm. own whatever. He's gone and done that. And now everybody that's left behind has now going to feel sorrow, feel pain, mm-hmm. feel, feel strain, all these things that come with death that they shouldn't be feeling because he was a healthy, he or she was a healthy individual. Yeah. But then, once she started talking to me about it and saying, well, you don't know what his actual mindset was going into that. What led up to that? Mm-hmm. You know, how, d- how did he feel? You know, he might have had something wrong with it. You know, his thyroid might have been down. Yeah. Um, his hormone levels might have been shot all over the place. There's lots of chemical imbalances in the body that can absolutely shoot your brain to pieces. And unless you went to a doctor mm-hmm. and and you recognize that, then you wouldn't really necessarily know that you had something wrong with you. Absolutely. You just thought it was normal. I know I know a lot of women uh, get thyroid issues when they have babies, and then suddenly they put on loads of weight, which they attribute to having children, um, and then can't shift it. But it's the reduction in the thyroid gland producing the... Oh, I can't remember the name of the hormone. I'm, I'm going to say thyroid, but it's not. Um and it affects their mood, and it's it's all oh, right. This is postnatal depression, which which that's a that's a cause because it affects your mood. But these are really really narrow tolerances in which our body works. It's a fundamentally amazing machine, which is why when somebody goes, oh, they smoked all their life, and then suddenly they dropped dead of cancer, they didn't suddenly drop dead of anything. Your body's that good to keep itself inside of these tolerances. That something happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, going going back to you know what, what we're talking about there with like. Ment- the ment- the the really horrible and the depths of, of of mental health is that some people hide it really well and like you say i think is it a sexist thing to say that males hide it more than females do females are more open when they're talking with their friends than blokes are blokes are more like surface layer when you talk about a layering system of mm-hmm. sort of like your psyche your psychology you always talk about the surface layer stuff what was the football result for what did you do last week oh you know what did you do for fears what was your last circuit like there's no sort of like depth to the conversation unless you really know yeah. that person intimately but even if you do know somebody intimately there is no um, they're not necessarily going to completely open up to you, especially if they're a quite reserved person and not, you know, out there. Um, and they like talking about things because, uh, you know, again, we talked about this last time where society, British society is very closed. Mm-hmm. Whereas like we don't like to talk about our thoughts and feelings where, let's just say you take an extreme in American where they just don't stop talking and they're like that. Hey man, I'm so happy, you know, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. are you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, you know, talking about layers, people say that they're super happy. They might not be, but then that also comes down to social media as well. We all know people on social media that post all these pictures about saying, Oh, look, my life is so amazing. But then you, as soon as you've pressed send and you go back to it, and your life is evolving around people coming back with you to say, I like what you're saying mm-hmm. or, oh, good for you. Well done. And you're like, oh, well, actually people are like paying attention to what I'm doing. And that kind of gives you that endorphin release where you're like, yeah, absolutely. you know, oh, you know, someone, someone's happy that they can see what I'm doing. Yeah, I've got 200 likes. But then 
you know, as soon as that phone goes or puts down to one side or they got kids, 10 minutes later, they're in the kitchen making chips yeah, and yeah. fish fingers and peas or they're making some sort of meal for their kids and reality kicks back in and and then you know the whole cycle of the mm-hmm. mental health issue where they're like the kids go to bed and they go fuck me is this what my life has come to absolutely i mean i, I mean I, i've just written down here re-engage with your hopes and dreams as a child so the the dichotomy of that is yeah in order to live that happy life reconnect with the things that you wanted to do that made you happy as a child so i, I play board games and card games with the kids and my i'm by myself and i play little silly war games and paint little models and stuff but what well, i like it because it's it's an, an element of competition and strategy but also it's it's a time for me to be silly uh, and one of the things that i found in my life was i i took myself too seriously i was always kind of an outsider you know, I'd, I'd engage with people, but I was always my own person, kind of a lone wolf. Go out go out on the piss, but after about an hour or so, then I'd just do my own thing. Um, even even as a kid, my son's exactly like this, and I, I'll, I'm trying to help him come out of his, his bubble. Like school discos. I always felt like a fraud. Um, that I shouldn't be there. I wasn't part of the group. Um, I'm still the same now. Yeah, and it, and it can affect you, you know, but... So re-engage with these hopes and dreams as, as a child in order to find where you're happy. Look, with, with this stuff, you can't help everyone. But what you can do is start somewhere. So I think what, something really good would be to be in schools and start mindfulness with children. But, and it doesn't have to be all hippie and like, you know, chanting and, and, and that type of meditation. But it's like, what makes you happy? Asking, just asking a series of questions. What makes you happy? What do you want to be? How are you going to do it? How do you know when you've got there? How are you going to feel when you've got there? That visualising technique that um, Alexi down at Limpson mm-hmm. used to tell us for the coaching and mentoring course, visualise your future. Then, then, then you'll get there. And that, and that part with the selfish impact of suicide, there are two things that are sure in this life. One is life and one is death. And everything else, and people say taxes as well, but everything else is just pff, inconsequential. Because they're the two greatest emotional experiences that any of us will have. Seeing new life, because we don't see our own birth, but we see the birth of our children, fundamental. And then the death of the people in our social groups, savage. And whether you commit suicide before your natural time, the impact, the emotional impact is still magnificently great. The only problem with suicide is they ask lots of questions. Could I have done something? What was wrong? Did I really know this person? Oh no, now I'm stuck in this this position of like, <gasps> who's going to pay the mortgage? What am I going to do? Well, that's no, that's kind of no different from the end of life. But you would have paid mortgages and set up set up your life to continue after after you're gone. Um, but it's so abrupt. And most there's a couple of people in uh, my local area have committed suicide who civilians. And their friends were saying that they are just outgoing, great people, and then suddenly, boom. Um, it, and, it, and it's shocking. But-, but it's also the flip side of life, though, as well. Like what we're talking about there with the um, the idea that people post pictures and they say that their life's amazing. So mm-hmm. these people, you know, you do get people that have fronts. Mm-hmm. Do these people 
when you're around them and they're all like you know these extroverted people they're they, you know they're they're pushing their persona out there to say oh you know smudgy's the crazy guy in the gang you know yeah, but yeah, then yeah. when he goes home and he's on his own oh my god that was so much energy yeah. you're like oh I don't, I don't i don't really want to go out there and do that but then they go out and then they, they you know they're, they're, they're big personality yeah again. It's, it's living your life in terms of an ego and an ego is generated by what you watch on tv or um what clothes you're supposed to wear, what group identity you're supposed to belong to. Well, you can belong to a group if you want, but your your group identity is you, humanity, those fun, those fundamental things that we all share. My daughter made a really great comment. So she's um, she was privileged enough to go to private school when she was younger, which is one of the, the, the facilities that the military do so we can move around and do our job. So she went to private school. And when she, at, at uni, she'll speak to people and they'll say, did you go to private school? And she'll, she'll go, yeah. And they're like, oh, that must have been bad. Well, no, it's amazing. You know, and she thinks I should send Sophie and Sam to private school. I can't afford it, but I see the benefits in it. And what you find at the at the private school is the smaller classes, so it's easier. I mean, it's it's privilege if you can do it. And, and who wouldn't do it if they could do it? Um, but what you found is people weren't so worried about a group identity or pretending to be somebody. But then we took her out of school for uh, the private school to GCSEs to move with us into Kent. And she went to a normal mainstream school. And what she saw there was there were so many people just living a fake life and, and speaking in a way that wasn't truly them. They were just living up to and eat what they think they're supposed to be. Um, and that's what's happening, like you said, with people. Oh, look at me. Ooh, I'm happy, but now I'm going to go and make chips. Well, their problem comes in that their life doesn't fit what they thought it was going to be. And what they can't do is then um, find different avenue to go down to get that. So it should, we should never have, how can I get that? Or oh, is that right? I might have got that wrong. But there's one of the things where you say, if it's like Grant Cardone says, it's not, um, how can I get that? It's what what can I do to get that? Yeah, so it's needs and wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do I actually need that thing or do I actually, do I want it? Oh, well, that, or I mean, do that's I actually as well. need it's, it too? It's, it's must, shoulds and coulds. What yeah. must I have? I must pay the bills. I must feed the children. I must clothe the children. The kids must go to school. I must spend time with my wife as a couple. I must do things, uh, stay healthy and, and help everyone else. And I must be a valued part of the community. I should buy a new surfboard because this one's a bit dinged. I should get a new car because this one's fa paint's faded. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> I could. Um, I don't know. Buy a five thousand pound watch. You don't need a five thousand pound watch. You just need a watch. You don't even need a watch. Just have a clock in your house. You got it on your phone. But what he says is, along with the, not how can I get that, because it already puts a barrier up in front of you. How can I do that? How can I possibly? Do, how can I do that? How can I pay this bill? Rather, more proactive mindset, which is, what can I do to get that? Get another job, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel and try and monetize it, start a business. Start. I mean, loads of people in the, the local group, Facebook group here in Chivner, um, on the on the patch. There's loads of people with little businesses, little side businesses, and it's great. It's a great time to do it. So, oh, the housing market is really expensive. I can't get a deposit. Well, that's you shut out. You've already put the barrier in there. Not, what can I do to get that deposit? Mm. Okay, maybe I'll get another job. Maybe we'll cut down all these bills. Do I need Netflix? 
don't I don't need HD, so I'll put it down to seven ninety nine a month. Or do I need all these movie channels and sports channels? No. How much do you do you, uh, watch them? Do I need my Spotify? Do I need um, my Audible? I cancelled Audible, and then Audible came back and said, "You want three months for three pound ninety nine? Yes, please." So now I've half that bill for three months. And I'll just cancel it again, and they'll do the same thing. Do I need to pay £160 a month for gas and electric with whatever company I pay with? No, search around. Use one of these money box tools that ser- or one of these things that searches for you. And in that, you find the solution. And it just takes a little bit of time and effort. And that's where that time management comes down, where you do the deep think on the problem at the hand. And you might not come up with the solution, but you then come back to it. What's the priority? My priority today is this, this, and this. Choose four things. Choose three things. Choose one thing. Get it done, because it's the same. It's the same um, idea as making your bed in the morning. You're achieving something, and uh, you know that that iceberg is massive, and only a small bit showing, which is that ego. But it's the one that everyone's that you know when the Titanic was sailing, they just thought it was a little bit of ice, but not this giant iceberg that takes down the entire ship, which is subsurface that you don't see. That's the biggest part of the iceberg that's underwater. And that's the part of our minds and ourselves that we really need to look after. I Not think a tiny bit on the outside. I think when we grow up, when we're younger, modern day society, and um, uh, it might be cliche, I don't know. We're kind of, when we go through the school system and the way that maybe our parents were brought up, the way that they bring us up is very, this is the line mm-hmm. you need to toe you need to go to school, you need to go and get your GCSEs, you need to, well, if you want a good job, you've got to go and do your A-levels, or Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, you maybe need to go to university and and get a degree and do this and that. Well, we we know plenty of people that didn't do any of that, and they're very successful people now. Um, But I think if you're not in a position like we're going to talk, uh, talked about earlier about mental health, where if you're open to all of these things where, you know, you're open to meditation or you're open to mindfulness or just go and taking time out for yourself for five minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're not open to those sort of things and you're very closed and narrow minded, then I think it's really difficult. Like you're saying where oh, I've just been sacked from my job. Where am I going to get another job from? Yeah. There are so many opportunities out there that all you just need to do is just take a matrix comment now, expand your mind. Absolutely. You just need to think, and another cliche term, think outside the box. Think about what you want to do. Think about how do I need to do that to go and achieve it? This podcast, for instance, Mm -hmm. I've thought about it for probably about a year. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a few months back, I'm like that. Fuck it. I'll buy some microphones. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, who wants to do it with me? I oh, know, I'll give Tom. He's got no, he's got no nothing to do with work. <laughs> He'll talk to me. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Yeah, okay. uh, and I'll settle these things up. And and now, you know, it's kind of expanded in these 11 to 12 episodes more than, that, than I ever thought it would yeah, do. Yeah. But it's also because I've kind of thought outside the box and I've messaged lots of people, talked to lots of people, it's actually made me more of an interactive person and made me think about, again this is going to be selfish made made me think about my own issues a little bit more so talking to you about like during this about philosophy and you know I had no idea that you had these like mental issues and stuff Mm -hmm. 
But I think what this podcast does, and when I start talking to people is that it kind of opens you up to the conversation where you're thinking about something, and I'm really bad for it because I slow down when I'm really, really thinking about something, which probably everyone who listens to this knows. Because I'm thinking, I'm trying to be constructive in what I'm trying to put across. Mm -hmm. But what's going on in my head is not necessarily what you would talk to somebody in day-to-day life, which, you know, is helping me a great deal. It's probably the person sitting on the opposite side of the table. And um, and going back to sort of like thinking outside the box, well, this for me is, you know, I've never really been the talker. I've never really been the type of person... Um, I mean, yeah, I'm a bit of a gobshite, but, (laughs) but, you know, talking about different people's experiences, because for me, this is like developing also my own little skill set. And I've kind of just done it because I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to see where it goes. If it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, whatever. But I've started to make it work for me. You know, I've, I'm putting it out on different platforms. I'm talking f- to, to different people. So my, co- my point kind of being is that you don't necessarily just have to isolate, you and, uh, isolate yourself into one path. You need to start thinking about what can I do to not achieve? What can I do to, one, make myself happy, but two, achieve what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And then think about that direction Think about drawing lines. So you've got your main life draw line that you draw. So from when when you're born to when you die, that's a straight line. Yep, it's never going to change direction because that's the line that your life's going to take. But then if you think of like like the branches of the trees that we were talking yeah. about last time, during that line, you're going to have branches that come off. Oh, I'm going to try karate. No, that was shit. Oh, I'm going to go and try yeah, yeah. a swimming competition. Oh, that didn't really work anyway. Oh, okay. I'm going to go and try, I don't know, writing a book. Well, that's going to go a lot further because I'm good at writing. I found something that I'm good at now. Oh, let's expand it. Okay. Maybe let's try and go and find a publisher. Oh, I tell you what, I could be a publisher. And then the little branch comes off that. And you know, you see where I'm going with this? I mean, I like that because it goes back to that, the time you take on the journey rather than the journey itself. Because if you went from point A to point B on that flat line, it would take X amount of time. But if that line then branches out like a tree or roots i like the idea well tree idea it points to the sky blue sky thinking think outside the box but also like the the analogy of roots because it 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 makes you more stable as well it's solid foundation if you keep going down these little avenues of trying new things which is investing in yourself because you know you're getting more information from speaking to different people about their different experiences which is making you think or it's providing you with more uh, that more information, which may make you more peaceful or make you more understanding. So you invest in yourself as a social creature in that shared experience. Um, but that takes more time. You're still doing the same journey, but you're taking more time doing it. And if you can have more time, which is relative, or making time, like what we're yeah. talking about. So I'm making time to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's time, the time is relative to you. So if you're doing more things, actually, you don't have more time, but it feels like you have more time. I I use Einstein's theory of relativity. A, a, a object moves from point A to point B, and it its mass increases as it goes. But it does its mass only increases relative to itself rather than to others observing it. So the time feels like it's getting more more mass for you as you're doing different things. So it means it feels like you're living a more fulfilled, longer life. 
But in actuality, to everyone else watching, it's not still the same time. But they're sat, I mean, one of the things with the theory of relativity, an example is when a train moves past as somebody sat on a, uh, sat on a, on a hill watching the train. They see it moving from point A to point B and it doesn't change in its state, but it actually changes its state as it's going past. But the analogy for me is the person just sat there watching is doing nothing with their time and it just it's going at the normal pace. Whereas that train's moving fast, it has mass, it has momentum, it has velocity on the track that it's going. But if it didn't have tracks and it was like the Polar Express train, it could go anywhere it wanted, what could it do? Invest in yourself. Um luck is preparation and opportunity meeting at the right place so where's this going to go don't know i have no idea right person listens to it could go anywhere but if the right person doesn't listen to it i mean i bought some stuff to make drone videos and and some other things mostly when i was pissed sort of like 11 o'clock at night and then i went on to ebay or amazon and started looking at it and then you wake up and you're like oh Two days later, some <laughs> cameras rock up. And you think, oh, I've got this now. I'll try that out. Or I'll try video editing. I didn't know how to do that before. It's like when I started my, my ex-wife's uh, massage business. I didn't know how to be self-employed or start a business or register a business with company's house or trademark like my, my business name. I didn't know how to get a unique tax reference number. But do you know what? It's fucking easy. Little bit of like, uh, read through this, ask some people some questions, find those experts. It's it's like um, Tony Robbins says. If you if you are hanging around with a crappy group, well, say it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Say if you're training with white belts all the time and you never try to train, train with a black belt and you're a blue belt or whatever. I think you start. Do you start with a blue belt? White belt. White belt. And you're a blue belt and you're never training with better people. You're not going to get any better. So centre yourself around the best possible people you can. Go surfing with people who are better than you because they'll look at you because everybody wants to help each other and they'll look at you and go, oh, actually, mate, what you're doing is you're dragging your foot and that's causing you to become unbalanced and not have a stable position. Try doing it like this. And they'll paddle over and go, right, I'll watch you for a bit. Yeah, no, no, move that like that. Wow, now you're standing up and surfing. Oh shit, I'm doing what I want. And I'm doing it better than I thought I could do it. So find the right people. Don't know how to do anything. Go online. Um, th- there'll be coaches everywhere. Or you just ask a question. So today, I what did I do? I made something the other day um, for my girlfriend. Um, who's... Um, originally from Bosnia. And I was like, I want to make something from Bosnia. Did you make a noragami flower? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've carved this lettuce into a bird. And I made these things called chivapi, which are like lamb and beef mince with garlic and some peppers. And in essence, well, nobody makes them around here. So what do you need to do that? Go online, get a food hygiene certificate, 20 quid. Hoping, fail the exam, keep doing it until you pass it, get a certificate. Brilliant. Now what do I need to do? Well, I need a street... Trader's license or pavement license, pavement license. How much does that cost? Don't know. Hundred quid. Can I invest hundred pound on myself? Bloody right, I can. I spend hundred pound on anything. Or if I don't have hundred pound, I'm going to save up five pound a week until I've got hundred pounds. There's my goal. Then what do I need to do? I need to find a place to do it. Well, I need the equipment to do it. How much does that cost? Oh, brand new. These frying things, electronic frying things, are this much. Can't afford the generator. Oh no, there's a pannier market in most towns. I'll go there. How much does that cost? It costs £9 a day. Do you have electricity? Yeah, just bring an extension lead. Plug. Sit there making these things. 
And there's a business. You don't have to register for self-employed until it's like, I think it's, you can, three years, I think it is. I might, I might be talking out my backside. You certainly don't have to do a tax return for three years when you can claim everything that you've invested already. So this, if this became a business, you just keep all your receipts for that, these microphones, that S key thing, and you, and you claim the tax back later on. Now, I didn't know that initially until I spoke to my friend who owns a gym who'd gone through all that shit before. And that's the key with information. That's what's so fundamental about sitting down and talking to people. All the information's already there. Like in philosophy, they say, uh, modern guys who write books about philosophy, they say that information about how do you live your life is already there. Those people like so um, Socrates, Plato, Zeno, Epictetus, uh, Seneca, Aurelius, um, and Eastern philosophers as well, they've already thought about it over thousands of years. You don't have to do the hard work yourself. I mean, if you wanted to do this, you could just put an iPhone down or a Galaxy like mine and press record. Yep. And everybody's got one. So everybody has got the capacity to do one. This is what's so fundamental about, which is amazing about technology now. It makes difficult things easy. Seneca says, it's not because things are difficult that we don't dare. It's because that we do not dare that they are difficult. And that really rings true. The people who are successful are the people who take measured risks, but they take risks. The people who don't achieve are the ones that don't take risks. And unfortunately nowadays, when we've had a varied career, but lots of people start off and they do the same thing with no hope for promotion. How fucking boring is that life? How happy are you going to be? What's the effect of everyone else around you when you're unhappy? So if you can't do anything about your employment, but it, it does the musts, then the coulds, which are equally as important, especially if, you know, do you want to buy something? Yeah. Do you need it? No. But do you really want it? Yeah, I really want it. Why do you really want it? Because I want to do this. Does that make you happy? Yeah, it does. Because me, Ads Lyson, who does loads of things anyway, um, fills all his bills with his, with his job and his wife does as well. And they raise the children and they're setting up for the future. But you've done, this will be your 12th podcast. Whereas it was 12 podcasts ago, there was no podcast. All you did was dare, maybe with some beer, buy these, <laughs> plug it into a com computer and practice yourself. I do with board games. So I don't know how to play it. Then I get it out and I sit on one side of the table and I do it. And then I go to the other side of the table and do it. And then I, and then I wait for friends to come around and I go, do you want to play this game? But I've done the preparation in order to explain it to them, to invest in myself because I want to play games. And then they play games. So dare, dare, go out and dare. Don't dare with all your family's money so that you're going to ruin yourself. But dare. Because it's not, nothing is that difficult. I hate it when people talk about, you know, they wish they'd done this or they wish they'd done that. And why would you want, why don't you just go and do it? Yeah. And then their comeback would be, well, I need to do this. I, you know, I've, I've got responsibilities. Um, I've got to pay the bills. I can't do it. I haven't got enough money or, you know, there's, I'm going to say there's an excuse. Um, Excuse is quite harsh, especially this modern time where you do have certain responsibilities. But then, you know, we're talking about risks. Well, why not take that risk and go, well, do you know what? If I don't try, then I'm never going to know. Absolutely. And if I don't try and I'm never going to know, then I'm going to be stuck in this 
job that I don't particularly enjoy in the first place. I'm doing it because it pays well, but then it's going to make me miserable in, you know, um, on the flip side. And that's one of the things I'm scared of in a couple of years time when I end up leaving, if I, um, you know, if and when I end up leaving in a couple of years, is the fact that, yes, I'm making plans now to start a new business, my own business, Mm -hmm. when I leave, but it's also the uncertainty. But I've said this a few times now. I did a, a, a neuro-linguistic programming. programming lecture with mm-hmm. a guy called Paul Cole. God bless you, Paul Cole. I know you listen to this. <laughs> and it's the only one I've ever listened to. <laughs> <laughs> but something he said held true was, and he was talking about competing. He said, when you go to a competition, do you feel nervous or um, or are you scared? Or are you excited or are you scared? Are you excited or are you scared? And we were sat there and I was like, I don't really know. Probably like, you know, if it's a big competition, you're scared. Probably more scared than excited. Are you excited or are you scared? Well, it's the same feeling. Being scared and being excited is the same emotion. It's the same endorphin release. But you're mentally telling yourself, depending on what situation you're in, Mm -hmm. you're almost programming your brain to tell you that because of the systematic things we've been through in life, that this is my automatic response. I'm scared to do that, but I'm still going to do it anyway but you're not scared, you're excited because you're going to a competition, you don't know whether you're going to win, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the same thing with, you you know, taking the grip of doing something different. Yeah, it is going to be scary. It's scary for me to even think about leaving because, you know, I've been in the military since I was 18 years old. I don't know anything different. I did a couple of labouring jobs before before I joined up. Got my GCSEs, even though my teachers told me that I would never do it, but I did. But when I leave, you know, what qualifications am I going to have? I used to blow shit up and fire big machine guns. There's no qualification there. I've been a PTI for nearly 15 years. I want to do something different. I've worked in gyms. I've set up mm-hmm. upteen circuits. I'm good at it. Okay, I have got something potential I can fall back on. But I want to do something different. And yes, it is a scary prospect to go and do something like that. Mm-hmm. But unless you invest in yourself and you take, you know, the ball by the horns and you have courage as well, because courage is a big thing, you know, and, and, and it's not a learned thing. You know, you, you have to mentally prepare yourself to do it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I might start this business up. It might fail. Mm-hmm. But at least if I try and it does fail, I know that I tried and I can go and do something else. The, the thing is, when you fail, you get key learning points from that experience that you can then reinvest into whatever you're going to do next. And, you know, being comfortable is the surest way to a heart attack. It makes you lazy. You know, nobody nobody has to work at putting on weight. It just happens naturally if you stay in that comfortable state. You have to work hard. Um and how, you know, in this, in this side, how bad can it be? I know, and I know some people have it really bad, but how bad can it be? If you read anything by um, Ivan, oh, sorry, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote a lot about the um, Gulag archipelago, 
so in Siberia, where the communists, socialists took everybody out to work them to death. You read any of these books, this is bad. This is, this is, this is hell on earth for people. For us, we're nowhere near that. You've got to contextualise things into their the, the, the proper point in reality and perspective in order to know where you are and what you're doing. It's all blown out. You see on the media now, it's all, everything's blown out of proportion. Every, everything's all right. Nobody's, no one, 99.99% of people aren't being persecuted at all in, this, in, in the West. Not like every, not like in other countries, we're doing all right. But um, your contextual bubble, though, yeah. is you know, if and this is going to sound really bad, whatever happened to those people in that book? Let's take concentration camps, for instance, in the Second World War, the worst of humanity for that time. There's obviously worse things that happen, you know, in history. Mm -hmm. But let's take that as a as a, as a context. For those people during that time, that is the worst thing that could ever happen to them. But we talked about conditioning. Once that's happened to them, they are then conditioned mm -hmm. to what's going to be happening day to day with those sort of people. Let's bring that into context with modern day life. Can I, can I do, so from what you said there, that, that answers the, the thing with Stockholm Syndrome where you become a captive and then you start to admire and love your uh, kidnappers. So I, I read a book by a guy called Thomas Asp um, Ashbridge. Uh, I think it's called like the crusade. And it was about the third crusade. I think it was 1098. And it was talking about Christian nuns who were um, captured by the Saracens and Saladin. And then they escaped, went back to the crusaders um, and then escaped the crusaders and went back to the their captors because they'd fallen in love with them and grown used to that that thing i mean how truthful that is you don't know because it's history and how history is written by specific yeah. people but yeah you, it, we are conditioned we can condition ourselves to hardship i mean i'm reading another book called a spiritual path the ninja oh yeah um doesn't mean i want to be a ninja but what ni the ninjas used to do was condition themselves mentally and physically for their environment in order to take what is around them and what they have inside them to get what they want. So it wasn't all about martial arts, but it was about finding their path of enlightenment by conditioning themselves with the environment. So that point that you're bringing up there, and if we take that back to what we're talking about with mental health as well, and again, it's one of the things I think I've previously talked about. I keep saying that on this podcast. Oh, we've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. Um, keep talking about it. It's conditioning. Is Is the fact that if you do find yourself in a state where you have got, you know, you you feel like you're going down the wrong path, you need to find a focal point to work it on. Now, using martial arts is a good example because it is pretty key because you have to concentrate on something. Um, it's taking you outside of your own personal environment. And you're concentrating on the moment you're, con let's say karate, for instance, you're concentrating on a set, uh, a set kata. Mm -hmm. And for that moment, for that 45 minute to hour session or whatever you're doing, you're solely concentrating mentally on what you're doing. So when we were talking about you need to set yourself some time for yourself, that is you setting some time to one side for yourself because you're not thinking about 
day-to-day life mm-hmm. and when you get you get guys that don't feel like they have an avenue to sort of like vent anything where they start drinking and they start you know violence and you know, start fights and all that sort of thing i guess in a way from my perspective or a outsider's perspective they don't have a focal point to re-energize or refocus that energy and you know if you feel or you you're listening to this and you you know you're in that situation where you don't have a focus and you feel you know your your mental um, capacity is all over the place you just need to fixate on something spend a couple of hours and again being what's the word not selfish um i'm quite biased Mm -hmm. with surfing and brazilian jiu-jitsu again very selfish pastimes however they're very addictive as well Mm -hmm. once you get a bug for surfing you catch that first wave you stand up brilliant you know you're like that right how can i recreate that again yeah and again there's your focal point right there because you're 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 setting off those that hormone release to want to learn how Mm -hmm. to do something Brazilian jiu-jitsu exactly the same a little bit more physical though because you're rolling around with somebody else but I mean I think the key points for those is I think they're kind of healthy because what you're doing is you're searching for that endorphin hit which is is the chemical that allows us to feel happy so but with surfing or something that you do outside you're you're riding nature you're in nature Brazilian jiu-jitsu you're socially interacting with somebody and you're physically doing things. So it's good connection. Um, say if you love like kicking the ball with your, your son or, your, um, or, or well, I love tickling. Sophie loves, you could tickle Sophie all day long. She loves it. And, but I get an endorphin hit off that. Um, that's great. But if you get an endorphin hit off social media or drinking or something like that, that's not really... In touch with well, it's escapism. Yeah, it is. It's it's a, it's an it doesn't es- connect with anything. No, you're apart from you, a chemical. you're you're escaping with what your problems are, but you're not dealing with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that okay, going to throw myself around on some waves is dealing with the problem, or you know, going training, doing something is dealing with a situation, but it's refocusing your mind onto mm-hmm. something different. Whereas if I turn on social media, 90% of it is negative. Mm-hmm. News. People getting jumped, fights. Um, people putting self-images up of them saying, oh, look how beautiful I am. You're then automatically looking at them going, I'm not as beautiful as they are. Yeah, yeah. Negative everything's negative whereas like if you take your time and you put that down get rid of that refocus your energy somewhere else yeah. that doesn't involve that i i think that's a really healthy thing to do and you think you know i, I was talking about this down at the beach earlier today that the the human human instinct and human nature is not designed to be sat behind a desk it's not designed to be constantly doing mundane jobs you you don't have this fantastic brain that's got all this different stuff going on inside your head 
just to sit behind a desk or sit in a factory moving, yeah. you know, wind. Like I did the job taking one windscreen out of a crate and putting it into another one. Absolutely mind them. There's so much stuff out there that you can refocus your mind on and take your mind off things that yeah. will, you know, inevitably help you, which when we're talk, you know, you were talking about earlier about your mental strains and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Refocusing energy is very, very important. Oh, I hugely. I mean, the, life is um, cyclic. Um, so we have this thing called the circadian rhythm in our body, uh, which is a natural state in which your body's active and then goes into a rest state. Now, we, we mitigate that rest state by drinking coffee or cracking on with work in wherever you work or drinking or eating sugar to give you those energy spikes but we're supposed to rest every 90 minutes you know we the, there's a reason why we have life on this planet and that's because the earth circles the sun every 24 hours which allows uh, and ultraviolet a and ultraviolet b lights which created life with you know ozone and ozone layer and blah 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 but we need to rest and rejuvenate, which is why sleep's so important. But you, because our days are so much longer now from the the natural way that civilization uh, started. So if you watch something like Apocalypto, which is a, which is a brilliant film, but it's also horrendously brutal. But what you do see is you see these um, these Indians or native people in South America going out hunting and then come back and rest and play with their family. Now, if you watch documentaries, you'll see that when they wake up, they don't really have a lot of breakfast or they have breakfast and they won't have lunch but a lot of their time is spent dozing the spanish do it well with siestas they have that break at lunchtime which then rejuvenates them for the rest of the day now you can do that through mindfulness we can do through it with hobbies so the, the great thing about hobbies is they and that you're thinking about that single task what you're doing is you're you're, you're focusing on your prefrontal lobe which is allowing the rest of your brain to relax but if you're stressing yourself those stresses create hormones, stress hormones, that um, I think it's, I think is it hypothalamus that controls temperature, but some parts of your brain. I need to do more um, uh, uh, neuroscience. But if you're constantly stressing your entire system, it can't function. You've got to have that break. And once you have that break, you can handle anything. So that's where timeliness comes in. And what I was finding, in, uh, I want to get back to... <clears throat> me leaving the core and then you eventually leaving the core is that uncertainty of leaving. Oh my God. One day I was one thing. The next day I'm not going to be that thing that was so fundamentally important. That's really scary when it happens. Now you've done the right thing and start with your massage um, and starting business ideas. I didn't because I was so, f my days were so full as a single parent and, and being a sergeant major that I didn't prepare enough. I'd done loads of courses before, you know, I could just go into working abroad, but I can't do that with kids. Whereas when I was married, I could do that with kids. Um, but then I found myself on my own. I was like, fuck, how am I going to do this? How am I going to work this out? And what I, was, what I was saying to myself was, how can I do this? Not what do I need to do to do that? And that's the same with that depression thing. Whereas you, you don't realize where you are. But when you do realise where you are, you change from the how can I to the what can I do. And that's the state that I'm in now. But leave, leaving the military, that's like, I know some people have lost parents. Um, I'm a child of divorced parents, so I've effectively lost my father when I was four. Um, never never bothered being a, a proper role model or even being in mine and my sister's life. But 
what what you find is and my psychiatrist said that when i thought i'd had some level of ptsd but it wasn't it was just a lot on my mind and he said i've got something called john thompson disorder <laughs> which made me laugh and it was effectively i'm losing a second father because the protective figure male role model figure i.e. the military because our especially the royal marines and commandos it's male dominated completely um that's going and there's no, it's my my hand is coming out of that bucket and it's it's going to settle back to what it should be but my hand won't be in the bucket anymore so what bucket do i put my hand in so semiotically i'm looking around for symbols or things to do to or other buckets to put my hand in but i don't know what bucket i can do because five big guns kill taliban that's, um, that's what we were talking about there so you know you don't know what bucket to put your hand in well yeah. go and fucking put your hand in lots of buckets because we don't we don't know what the world's like yeah we you know we don't and it's that's that's a real real issue and I, that's why you see military guys on the streets they don't they don't know how to function um because i mean like all industries it's go 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 we've got to do we've got to achieve 150 percent or we'll set 150 percent as a target and if we achieve 100%, that's great. That's what we really wanted to do in the first place. Well, how about you set 100% and achieve 100%? Because you're using half of that, well, a third of that more energy producing a shit product or a less than adequate, satisfactory product when you could take 33% of that energy, feed it back in, which potentially could be more, um, more um, fizz together. It could be... Uh, professional and personal development it could be anything you feed that that 33 percent in that you've made up back into the system and you feed it in by not taking it out and you you achieve a better product and if you can't do that and you're not in the, you're not in the driver's seat of the organization but you are in the driver's seat of yourself you feeding that back in is by taking that time out to do something you want to do or to sit quietly somewhere like i said before Pascal said all of humanity's problems lie in man's inability to sit quietly in a room. You feed that back into the system by taking that time out and rejuvenating. I used to sleep for like three hours a day. 11 o'clock, I'd be like, I feel fucked because I was stressed. And I'd go up to bed, I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up exhausted still, wanting to go back to sleep. I'd go, pick the kids up, I've got to make them dinner. And then I'd be like, oh, please go to bed, please go to bed because I'm tired. And then I'd get them to bed and then I'd be like, bing, I'm awake again. And then I'd wake up till two. And I got into this negative, this positive feedback loop of poor, poor sleep. Um, and then I started to lie in my bed and just relax. I think I said this before, but think about different parts of my body and it would warm up. And then I'd like do this endorphin rush. Now I'd do this sort of breathing exercise and then I'd be like, hold my breath. I'd go all tingly, um, see how long I could hold my breath for. And it was like two and a half, three minutes. Uh, and then afterwards, I was rejuvenated because I'd taken time out. Even just saying like inner mantras, you're strong, you're powerful. <laughs> it might be bollocks, but you create this inner man- mantra of um, you're good, you're, you know, these positive affirmations, and it'll have a great effect. And that's how you feed the energy back into the system without taking it from somewhere else or stealing time or using resources. You have, you have like I said at the beginning of this, you have everything inside you that you need. You've just got to work out what you want. And that takes that Pascal sitting in a room quietly to work out what it is that you want. What makes you happy? 
if you took all the shit away, if you took all the clothes away, what's fundamentally important? You know because you're a husband and father. It's your family first. Your your children and your wife. And I said this to my, uh, somebody the other day who asked me, where, where do I sit in your life? And I was like, well, no, there's no priority over anything. It's all my hand. So my hand's got five fingers. One of them's one of those fingers is my children. The other ones is um, say it was my partner. Another one is something else. Another one is something else. They're all part of the same hand. They're just different things that all have the t- top level of priority. And if you work out what those five things are, or one thing is that that makes you happy because you achieve that priority, then you then then you're going to be a happy person. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Some serious deep shit. <laughs> yeah. Like Mate, we're going to have to cut it there, I reckon, because you got to go and pick your kids up. I do, yeah. So... I've got to go and be daddy and make uh, blow up party balloons for Sophie. And make Mate, we pick. could go on for hours with this, yeah. couldn't we? Uh, mate thank you for coming pleasure, on again mate. pleasure um, yeah I appreciate it a lot and there's uh, some good thinking points from all this I think thank you very much yeah John cheers mate thanks for coming on cheers lads and that's it if you're enjoying the podcast please like share and subscribe on your podcast provider and also follow the Grumpy Surfer on Instagram thank you for listening thank you